ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. He's Joe George behind the glass. It is a Friday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You might have heard the show before us talking about the uh, the fire alarms and all that. Those weren't fire alarms. That was just signaling the imminent arrival of the Killer Bees. Also, maybe the signing of Josh Hader. We're going to yeah. talk plenty of the about the Houston Texans today. Uh, going to Baltimore, flying to Baltimore today. Snowy today, but it's going to clear out uh, before they play tomorrow. Um, opportunity for the Texans to get to their first ever conference championship game in franchise history. A chance for D'Amico and C.J. Stroud in their first year at their respective positions to guide the Texans to uncharted territory. But meanwhile, it's Jim Crane going into unchartered territory. I know he's been in the luxury tax once, but didn't actually have to pay for it because the next year was the COVID year, and they uh, Major League Baseball didn't force owners, for whatever reason, to pay um, the competitive balance tax that year. Well, now Josh Hader's a Houston Astro. Five-year, $95 million deal. Average on that is $19 million a year. They were already on the cusp, some projections, of the competitive balance tax. Some had them a little bit over. Now there's no doubt. Now now there's no question. Jim Crane going comfortably into the luxury tax by signing Josh Hader, a setup man, a closer, a reliever, to a $19 million a year deal. And Blankers, to me, you have the best seven, eight, nine in all of baseball. Yeah, you can call him an outgetter, whatever you want to call him. Call him a Houston Astro and then call me happy as can be because this was amazing. I, I was walking up the stairs in, in the building. I walked in and Joe George goes, well, Josh Hader just became an Astro. It's official. I was like, wait a minute, what? How did I miss that? And then he, he tells me, no, it's right here. And I was like, oh, my God, this is absolutely amazing because we kicked it around yesterday. But I think that we also kicked around the, the, the real possibility that it might just be positioning it, it, between you know agents and teams and things like that. The fact that it's reality and the fact that they were willing to spend on that size deal because he got what he wanted, he became the, the highest paid relief pitcher in baseball. You look at it and go, my goodness, does this solidify a lot with the Houston Astros bullpen? And you've got choices galore now. Yeah, there's uh I mean the questions I think that you have leading up to spring training will be like who has the seventh, who has the eighth, who has the ninth. Everybody's gonna have their own answer for that. I think a spot is a progressive manager where he's going to I think they're going to keep Presley in the in the closer role because he's kind of earned that being like the elder statesman. Uh, some people, well, you're not going to pay $19 million for a lever and have him not be the closer. I, I disagree because why aren't the biggest three outs in the seventh inning if three, four, five are coming up? Uh, what if you're playing – like what if you're playing the Phillies? And I know this is a bad example because they're in the National League. But Kyle Schwarber – whoever bats second, and then Bryce Harper's coming up. Well, I want Josh Hader to face that pocket of hitters. I don't care what inning it is uh, once you turn the game over to the bullpen. So I think we a lot of times overrate the closer, the setup, the seventh inning role. Uh, I think Presley will stay in the ninth inning. I think Hader and Abreu will kind of rotate on the seventh, eighth, depending uh, on the matchups and things like that. 
But I think this is a playoff move because, like, you you might have to give some guys some days off, right? Like, if you pick back back to back game uh, back to back games, you're probably not going to pitch on that third day. Um, you're going to have to stagger things around a bit. But if you're paying a 19 million dollar reliever as a weapon, that to me is a move that a World Series contender that expects to be playing in the postseason makes because we know that in Major League Baseball in the playoffs that with more off days in a playoff series than like in the regular season that you can trim the fat on the pitching staff a bit where a 13 man pitching staff can pretty much become like a nine, 10 man pitching staff. And you can go to your best relievers more often because you have days off in the series. Now, whenever you stack three elite relievers in the back end of your bullpen, to me, that's going to pay off more in the postseason than it necessarily would in the regular season, although it's still plus EV uh, in the regular season. But this is a type of move, in my opinion, that a team with World Series aspirations, a team that expects to be playing a lot of playoff games make, where you're signing a $19 million reliever either to replace Ryan Presley, which I don't think is the case, or to give you critical outs late in game situations. Yeah, and I think it can be both, because I think you're right, and, and, and they did this probably with the playoffs in mind, but also the fact that they knew they had a couple of spots in the bullpen to fill, but they also know that Presley's a different kind of closer, and because of the fact that he's had some issues in the past with health concerns, you know, that, that they he doesn't really like to go back-to-backs. He doesn't like to go, you know, three games in four nights. Those are the kind of things where now you don't have to worry about it. And then, like you said, whether it's in the playoffs, and we were talking about with Abreu and just use him in the highest of high leverages. Well, you know, having a lefty that's a power lefty like that in the bullpen, now Espada can do you know can do it a multitude of different ways, looking at the matchups with, with the lefty, looking at the matchups for the, the high leverage. But you've got the two flamethrowers, a righty and a lefty, and then, as you said, you have the seasoned veteran that has closed for the for the majority of the, the years of this run of the, the Astros' um, golden years of baseball in Presley. To have those three elite-type guys at the back of your bullpen, we talked about it. It shortens the game to six innings. It, it gives everybody a, an extra jolt of energy knowing that, hey, from a starting pitching perspective to the offense, you get a lead going into the 6th, the, 7th, the in the 7th inning. It could be lights out on most nights because these guys have the stuff and they have the ability and they have the experience. Yeah, this is uh, it's best back end of the of the bullpen in all Major League Baseball for me. Uh, seven, eight, nine. Uh, I think Presley, who's I think going to be your closer, is I think the lesser of the three. I think Abreu's better than Presley. I think Hayter's better than Presley. Now Presley's been great in the postseason, and again he's done it really well for a long time for the Astros. That's why I think he should still keep that role until he shows you otherwise. Uh, but you have a you have a dominant back end of the bullpen. I think the other part of the conversation is Jim Crane just went nineteen million dollars ish into the competitive balance tax when we've been hearing all offseason, oh, that Jim Crane, he's a tightwad. Oh, that Jim Crane's not willing to spend money. Oh, that Jim Crane's not opening up his wallet. You can't say that anymore. You can't say Jim Crane's going $20 million into the competitive balance tax. Yeah, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. Look, we talked about just from the standpoint of they haven't done a whole lot. But we were both very adamant and saying, look, I'm not saying he's cheap. But there are plenty of people out there that were saying that and were thinking that he didn't want to go over the threshold. He did not want to even tiptoe it. Now he just kicked a line right through it and just said, okay, here, hold my beer, sip your tea, and watch this because this is going to you know, knock your socks off. If you're an Astros fan, you have to be ecstatic because everything that you had to sit there and wait and twiddle your thumbs and think about all the negativity of not doing anything except for a backup catcher uh, this offseason, you now just got a, a healthy, massive dose 
of reality in the fact that Jim Crane is looking squarely at winning and chasing it down again. This is a huge move if you're an Astros fan, and this is a telltale sign for Jim Crane to be able to say, hey, look, I opened my checkbook. I I, I absolutely put my money where my mouth was, and now I I answered a lot of questions by getting a premier closer to add to this team. See, I I figured that the Astros were still going to add a reliever. I would have never in my wildest imaginations, until yesterday, because I I do respect Chandler Rohn's reporting, I I never until yesterday expected the Astros to be shopping at the top of the market, though. I expected them to wait the market out. In fact, they kind of started the market, because I think the entire relief market was waiting on Josh Hader to sign. Like Guys like Robert Stevenson now is going to be finding a home. Some of the other top relievers now find a home because they have like that's what that's the way free agency works like look at the uh, Shohei Otani like he started a little bit of movement just a little bit of movement like you still have a lot of really good free agents that are out there as well so I never thought that the Astros would be in the market for the top reliever in the offseason it's I'm, I'm surprised by it I give uh I give Dana Brown credit for it too because we had heard that Josh Hader the figure on him was going to be like $20 million. Joe told us yesterday he wanted um, the Mets closer money, which is over $20 million. Well, the Astros got him at 19 so not necessarily like a, a huge sell, but not to $20 million. And also the patience to wait to do it until January 19th. This wasn't like Bagwell chasing after Rafael Montero almost as the you know free agency opened up as well. And then I give Jim Crane the credit, too. Hey, he signed a guy for $19 million. People are saying, well, this is going to cost the Astros a chance at Bregman or, or a chance at Kyle Tucker. I don't know if I buy that. Like My feelings on Bregman and Tucker is that it's kind of case by case. It's a separate issue. If anything, I feel more positive about Tucker being re-signed, though, because this is like the first time, really, since I mean, since that Grinky, technically. But this is an example of Jim Crane showing that he's willing to spend money. It's like, okay, well, if he's willing to spend money on a hater, maybe he'd be willing to spend money on a Kyle Tucker. Maybe to a lesser extent on an Alex Bregman, although I think Bregman's not nearly the priority uh, that Kyle Tucker would be. So if anything... Uh, to me, it's a neutral. I don't take it one way or the other. But if I had to pick one side of it, I would take it more as a positive that Crane's showing that he's a willing spender. I, I agree with you. Look, I, I think that they they will have some bigger issues to deal with down the road, as you mentioned, with Bregman and Tucker. And, and until Altuve signed, you know, you, the the assumption is is he's going to sign. It's going to be a done deal, but it isn't until it is. But you, you, you feel pretty strongly he's going to be back. But we've seen some of the creativity with what the Dodgers did. We've seen other, some of the other possibilities. We also know that I don't think it's changed Jim Crane's overall philosophy a whole lot in terms of the long longer-term deals, the real long deals, at, at the huge amount of money. But even this one was a little bit lo- farther in the threshold than I think we've seen him go in the past. But the fact that he's it, this shows that he's in go-for-it mode again for this season gives you the, the reasonable hope that, hey, it's not just one and done either. It's hopefully this year, and then how do we get creative and what do we do going forward so that we can try and handle the next guys when their contracts come up or bring in guys if we don't sign those guys so that the window stays open. Regardless, if the window stays open and they keep dedicated themselves to winning it and going for it, then as a fan, that's all you can ask for. I mean, this will be the second biggest contract paid to a reliever. So, like, I, I don't... Like this, this to me is Crane going away from his comfort zone. Yeah, I think from a pit, from a pitcher, it's different too. Like a, a position player, you, you, then they they want to explore the eight to ten year deals. But for a pitcher to go five years, it is getting out of his comfort zone. I would agree with that. I'm just saying, you know, the deals that we talk about with the three hundred million dollar deals and the ten year deals and the return on investment deals, where you know guys are just trying to get every dollar they can, know and the team knowing the last three years or couple years are going to be throwaway deals, uh, throwaways in the deal. That's not something Crane really wants to do. But the fact that he 
knows too that I think Presley's got what a year or two years left on his deal. So he's got a vesting option next year where if he hits uh, 50 innings that it's going to vest, which I mean, you feel pretty confident that he'll be able to yeah. hit that, but a reliever, I mean, it's much easier for a reliever not to hit 50 innings than it is for a starter. I mean, if Presley's on the the injured list for a month, then all of a sudden that 50 innings is is in question. Yeah, but I, I think that maybe whether you know you you can think about that factoring in as well, but I just think that look, this is a this is a huge sign to start thinking about the fact that Jim Crane is open-minded in terms of how he how he goes forward with this franchise but tries to keep them winning and keep that window open. And so I hope this is just a starting uh, starting point for how you keep that window open for the next three, three four years. Yeah, uh, interesting move because I, I think it definitely changes the attitude uh, about the Astros from the Astro fan base for most. Uh, some were, were feeling a little bit down. Hey, wake up. You know, Dana Brown, Crane, open up that, that pocketbook, all of that stuff. Um, this, this certainly changes the perception. This, this certainly changes the attitude and the excitement uh, for the Astros, who will have pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day uh, in February. So, looks like a good thing. Looks like a good thing. There are some people out there that are critical a little bit of the, the five years, $95 million. You've had people bring up, well, Hader doesn't want to go over an inning. You've had people say, well, Hader's not going to you know, be a setup man on $19 million. I think a lot of what Hader was doing last year was because he hadn't got paid and he was in a contract year and he was making sure he stayed healthy. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not the case. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Uh, Hater, any, any negative thoughts about the Astros signing Hater? I'd be interested to hear that side of the argument. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5, a YouTube Easter egg we'll talk about later. He's at Pac-Man Joel. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Brandon. Busy show, a busy show. Uh, we have BZ Money, handout winners. Uh, who said it? We, we need to get off the schneid. DJ Bianame, who's uh, in Baltimore, feet on the ground in Baltimore. Uh, we'll talk to him. Fear Factor, this Ravens team, and a lot, lot more. Also, when we come back, are you mad that Bobby Slowick is interviewing? Now, two interviews. He had another one after we went off the air yesterday. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's blank on Branham. Yes, the uh, the deal for Josh Hader is official. Some people are, it's official? Yeah, it's official. Five years, $95 million. Uh, there's been some details on the contract, too. A full no-trade clause. Uh, also, no deferred money in this deal. So $19 million per year. Uh, probably pushes the Astros upwards of $18, $19, 20000000 million over the luxury tax payroll, which isn't calculated to the end of the season, by the way. Also, also, uh, the Astros will forfeit a second-round pick and $500,000 of international money in the signing of Hayter because he was a compensation reliever. He was offered compensation. Uh, he turned down compensation from the Padres, so that puts a compensation label on him. Probably the reason he got under $20 million. If he didn't have that, I bet you would have gotten over $20 million. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. There is a quote from Jim Crane out from Brian McTaggart uh, who tweeted it a moment ago. Uh, Jim Crane on the deal of haters signing to the Astros. We think we have a good team and it adds a big piece to the back of our bullpen. With Presley and Abreu, you have three quality guys, seven, eight, nine, wherever they pitch. We think it gives us a nice change to get to the, uh, a nice chance to get to the playoffs and make a run at another World Series. 
I don't think you're making this deal if you thought you were going to win 85 games. I don't think you're making this deal unless you feel 100% confident you're going to be playing postseason baseball whenever the bullpen, the 7-8-9 guys are, are even more magnified. To me, this has the makings of 100%. We expect to be back in the postseason, and whenever you're in the postseason, we believe like two years ago, whenever we won a World Series on the, you know, being anchored by a strong bullpen, we feel like that is pivotal uh, for our chances of winning another World Series. No question. I think that he's he's essentially saying, too, that, hey, we'll deal with Bregman when the time comes. We'll deal with the other things later on. But the one thing that we're making very clear is two things, like we talked about. He's he's willing to spend, and that, and that this is a move clearly set on the fact that they are chasing another ring. It's not just going to be like a Cleveland situation or a mid-market team that's just happy to be there, get in the dance, win the division. It's a huge plus. And then you just roll the dice, take your chances, but it's all fluff. This is a team that's fully focused on winning titles and that they are going forward again this year. And for that alone, you have to be extremely pleased and excited if you're an Astros fan because, you know, a week ago, we were thinking that if this was going to be come up as a rumor, you'd be like, yeah, come on, seriously? That they haven't done anything yet, and now you're talking about the exact opposite. Like, they're doing everything they can to go chase another title. Yeah, and to me, it also it also illustrates the point that Crane, like, I don't think Crane likes going into the luxury tax, and I think for Crane to be swayed to going into the luxury tax, it has to be for a specific player. I don't think it's a mindset of we're going to spend twenty million dollars over the cap and you can or the tax and you can go out and sign whatever. I think it has to be a specific name that he gets excited about. I think Jim Crane does like names. I think Jim Crane likes hunting names. I think it's why like Reggie Jackson is here. I think it's why he hired uh, Dusty Baker after the entire fallout. I think he likes going. I think it's why he likes Verlander. I was going to say that's why he traded for Verlander. Yeah, I think he loves the big name. So he doesn't like playing the luxury tax. He's a businessman, but at the same time, if you bring something to his desk and he gets excited by the name okay I'm willing to do it now because I like the name I don't think it's ever going to be to your point earlier like a general philosophy of we're going to operate 10 15 20 million dollars into the competitive balance tax it has to be someone that excites him and how could the best lefty reliever in baseball uh, not excite you no wealthy man that owns a bit or woman or no wealthy business owner likes the word taxes or, or, or thinks about the word taxes as a positive. So you're always worried about that. But when you realize the return on the investment and what you're getting when you start thinking about how many times they maximized ring nights and bobblehead nights and all the different nights because that were surrounding winning the championship and winning the the national I mean the American League and doing all the things that they did along the way that got people excited that brought more butts in the seats. He knows what he's got right now and it's a juggernaut and he wants to keep it rolling. And you're right. He loves to go after that big name. And when you look at some of the numbers that go along with it and and you think about the fact that he can come in from the left side and be dominant. But Ryan Spader put it out there 12 minutes ago about, you know, his all time rank from relief pitchers. K's per nine first at a little over 15. You know, Kevin. Yeah, that's sick. 15 (laughs) point 15.01 K's per nine, which is first all time for uh, his K's, his K percentage rate. 42.21% 42.21% first. His K to walk percentage, 31.99% first. So those are three firsts right there. So if you weren't familiar before, you heard the name but knew he was in the other league and weren't as familiar, now you're looking at the stats that back saying this guy is dominant. And when you think about, oh, the Yankees went out and they got Soto and they got some guys that they're going to throw at you. 
You could throw Josh Hader right in the mix to go get him late in the game, and believe you me, he's going to have success, and that's that's something that you got to look forward to. Nineteen million for a guy who throws sixty innings. I can understand, uh, you know, a little bit of the critique there. There is some criticism in the uh, the text line. Um, you know, but Brother Bear mentions a few of the top free agents that are still out there. Uh, is Jim Crane going to keep spend, spending? Some people, you know, Jake Myers is still your center fielder. Um, Jorge Soler is a name that's come up in the text line over the last twenty two minutes. I, I do think that the Astros are done. I, I, maybe they sign like a bench guy to kind of fill out the, the depth on this team. But I think in terms of another splash that's out the window, this is the one splash you get this offseason. Maybe another like depth like bench guy for your offense, but I, I seriously doubt it. I think they're going to go with what they currently have. Um, so somebody's even said that you know they signed Hater at the expense of an outfielder. You might be right, but I don't think the decision was ever hater or an outfielder. I think the decision was hater or nothing. So I don't look at it as hater was signed and Jorge Soler was not because it goes back to what we were just saying about Crane. He's not going to go over the luxury tax unless he's intrigued by a name. I, I, I like Jorge Soler's bad. I don't think Jorge Soler was the name that got him so excited in his 240 hitting self. That's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go over the luxury tax for him. I think it was, oh, power arm, lefty, can be dominant, like the numbers you rattled off. This helps us a lot in the postseason. I used to be a pitcher, so I love pitching. Uh, so I don't think it was hater or outfield. I think it was hater or nothing. And I think the other thing that to consider in this is they still could make a trade. I don't think it's a trade that's probably going to bring you the kind of, of bat name that a lot of people are hoping for. But there's still you have a surplus of starting pitching to where you could use somebody to try and see if you can orchestrate a trade with some sweeteners to try and get an extra bat for this lineup. But regardless, this is a massive move that helps your team no matter what because your offense wasn't bad to speak of before this. But now when you start talking about the biggest weakness, which was the bullpen and a backup catcher, now you've handled those two weaknesses in the offseason and you went absolutely with a massive splash with the way you fixed the bullpen. Yeah, um, I don't think it'd be. I don't think it'd be before the season, though. I think if you do that, it's going to be June, July around the deadline. I, I firmly believe that they're going to give Jake Myers an opportunity to be an everyday center fielder, and they're going to allow him to fail before they make a decision to bring in another outfielder, for better or worse. Yeah, that disappoints me, but um, we'll see how it goes. I, I just don't know. The, I'm not going to say that's not going to end well as a team. I just don't think that. That's my ideal scenario. No, I just don't see it in Jake Myers. I don't have confidence in Jake yeah. Myers at this point. I hear you on that, and I would, I would agree. I just, I think that they're going to give him the opportunity. Uh, Ninety seventy five. Dusty finally gets his lefty. Yeah, I do find that funny. Nine three nine two. This means Montero is getting traded. I, I don't think so. Montero has negative trade value. Who's uh, taking him? No one. Uh, to me, Montero is going to be your fourth reliever now. But what's good about the hater signing is that your fourth reliever means you're a lower leverage guy. It might mean that you're pitching whenever you're down by two runs instead of leading by two runs. So that's you move Montero down a notch on the rung of the ladder. So that's good news. Now, Montero in the second half last year, he was way better. Like, he was okay. He was decent. He, he wasn't pitching up to his salary, but you could live with second half Montero sure. instead of first half Montero. All right, 713-780-ESPN. We got off the air yesterday. I didn't even notice this until this morning. I think I went to sleep early something. I don't remember what I was doing. But uh, Bobby Slowick apparently interviewed with the Tennessee Titans. He completed an interview with the Titans. So this was two interviews yesterday on a Thursday after he went to the press conference on Wednesday and said this. Same as last week, you know, very grateful for every consideration, grateful for the opportunities, grateful to D'Amico, to Nick, to the Texans organization, you know, for giving me this opportunity. But right now, I couldn't tell you what's going on. I'm entirely locked in on, on the Ravens. 
you know, I know coming up here pretty soon, that process is going to start pretty quick, but I'm going to cross that bridge when I get to it right now. Right now, I'm just Baltimore. All right. So right now, I couldn't tell you what's going on, and then 24 hours later, he's interviewed for two different jobs. You don't think he knew those were coming? Evidently, the bridge got slippery during the cold weather, but the minute that the salt was laid down and the temperature went up, he was getting on that bridge. Look, and, and like, uh, there's been a lot of people that's in my, my comments and stuff saying, well, you know, he's this is the business. Like, there's no big deal. You shouldn't knock Slowick on there. And I'm not. Like, I do get that this is the business. I don't mind that Slowick is interviewing. I think Ben Johnson's had the best approach. He's talking about where he's interviewing and when he's interviewing and the people he's interviewing with, he's being completely transparent. So I, I get the business, and I understand that Bobby Slowick needs to be looking out for Bobby Slowick, and Bobby Slowick should be taking these interviews, even if he has no desire of taking these jobs. I don't like how he misled everybody. I don't like the co- – right now, I couldn't tell you what's going on. And then 24 hours later, he's already completed two different interview requests, uh, being entirely locked in. Uh, look, I don't think it's going to be a distraction, Sad. I really don't think it'll be a distraction. But I don't think you can be entirely locked in while you're also preparing for two different interviews. And, like, it's it's the quiet moments. It might be on the drive home whenever a guy who's entirely locked in that's not interviewing anywhere, like D'Amico Ryans, obviously he's not thinking about going anywhere else. On the drive home, he might be, be thinking about, what, what is uh, what a kind of adjustment could I potentially have to make on a third and seven if we're down by three late in the third quarter? What is Slowick thinking about in those quiet moments? Is he thinking about the same thing? Or is he thinking what he's going to ask you know, or tell Amy Adams about Will Levis whenever they're having a conversation. So I don't think it's going to be a distraction for for the Texans. I don't think I don't really hope it's not a distraction for Bobby Slowick. But you can't tell me that you're one hundred percent entirely locked in while you're also interviewing twice for NFL head coaching jobs less than twenty four hours after you said right now I couldn't tell you what's going on. Yeah, the biggest thing to me is is if you know if you want to play it coy, play it coy, but then don't go and mislead the media and everybody else because we've talked about it. You don't have to tell the media anything, but when you go and answer a question that way and basically give that kind of information. And then less than 24 hours later, you're interviewing in two different spots. You're right. Cause that's what I thought about. You know what? He may be laying awake at night and before he goes to sleep, instead of thinking about, you know, what am I going to do to keep that defense off balance? Maybe he's thinking about uh, what did, did I, should I have said this instead of that when I did the interview? And, and if so-and-so asked me the same question, how would I answer it differently? I completely agree with you. I think there's, you know, it just gives you food for more thought than just worried about what he said in the press conference, which, which is I am focused on the, the Baltimore. Are you mad that Bobby Slowick is interviewing other places? I'm not. I'm not mad that he's interviewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just more disappointed in the way he handled the entire situation <laughs> because it, it does look. It does, from my standpoint of what's going on in my head, uh-huh. it does lead me to believe that there's a that there there is an opportunity for a lack of focus. Because if I, I, I loved what he said in the press conference because that's what I want out of every member of the team fire and the coaching staff, right? Yeah. yeah fire. I was like, yeah, Bobby, even if you leave, I got your back. Now it's like, you lied to me, you son of a gun. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing that bothered me the most is like, okay, now it already has creeped into my head that maybe he's not <laughs> doing everything and that this is disappointing because you love the guy, you love the story, you love the, the, the combination with him and, and CJ, and now you're going... Why would you take that approach, and why would you do that? Look, I might be scorned from when Kevin Sumlin had one foot to College Station instead of getting us to a New Year's Six Bowl. I probably am scorned from that. I'll, I'll openly admit that. And, and Matt is too strong a word because I do get the business, and Slowick needs to take care of himself. I just, I'm just i a little annoyed the way that he lied to me on Wednesday. I know that coaches lie, but you don't have to do me like that, Bobby Slowick. Come on, man. 7419. They were Zoom interviews. He has to take the phone calls and try the process. I doubt he will leave this year. I get that. That's fine. Don't tell me 
probably 24 hours before that that I couldn't tell you what's going on. It's a bold-faced lie from a guy that I thought I could trust. He, he's, he's, I'm wavered on my trust now, Bobby Sloak. Chris from Sam Houston. It's not like the Texans didn't know. I agree with that. You're probably right, Chris from Sam Houston. But he shouldn't lie to us. He shouldn't lie well, to the people the that thing, like him. And you don't know if... if- you know how the he handled the process or how the problems. I no, I I completely agree with you. I I full heart wholeheartedly believe the Texans knew. Sure, but when you interview with the team, can you say what's your timetable for releasing this? Can you hold off twenty four to forty eight? I mean, after Saturday's game, we can yeah. say, hey, last week we had or we we had the chance to catch up with Bobby Slowick. I think that you have to like announce it right away. Is there away. like a I mean, deadline? I think it's I think it's very transactional now. Like you notice, like we've put an interview request, and I, you can even look at it in the transa- uh, transaction. I say it's in the transactions, and you do have to report it to the league. But do they have to make it public? Yeah, I would. I think that you do. I don't know the answer to that completely, but if you just look at all the other like interviews around the league, they all like tweet it out and they they send emails and stuff. Right. So like I think that it might be required by the league. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Are you mad that Bobby Slowick is interviewing for these jobs? Also, when we come back, BZ Money. We got to hand you some winners on this uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We give you winners each and every week. Sometimes you just have to pick out the ones that we're giving you. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey guys, we're talking about that big game, the big weekend, all the football that's going to be on television. You might have in your crew over to the house and watch the games at your place. Well, if you are and you're serving some food let me make one recommendation no matter what the actual main entrees are going to be if you want to make everything taste better especially the appetizers i need you to go to your grocery store and get some daisy dips because we all know daisy makes uh, sour cream and the dollop of daisy always does everything good but now you need to know that daisy makes the dips for you so you don't have to make them in the kitchen you don't have to mix the sour cream and the soup mix and the spices to get it just right whether you're trying to make that ranch or you're trying to make that french onion dip all you got to do is go to the grocery store because right there, for just a hand full away, it are the two tubs of the Daisy Dips. You get the French onion, you get the ranch, you put them out on the on the hors d'oeuvre platter, and the next thing you know, your veggie dip or your veggies, your chips, your, your favorite pizza, wings, you name it, that you've got a better taste to it when you've got the choice of Daisy Dips to go with it, and everybody's going to be raving about the food. It doesn't matter how good or bad the game is. The fact of the matter is you are going to get the rave reviews and you're going to be a winner for the food that you serve with Daisy Dips. Check them out today. Get to your grocery store. Get you some Daisy Dips. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Yeah, Branham guy. He's blank on Branham. We'll get to BZ Money in uh, two minutes. 713-780-ESPN. 1970, not mad at the guy. Can't hate on someone trying to better his career. 1970, regardless if it sucks, happens in business all the time. Um, agreed. I think Blank has put it the best way. I'm not mad at Bobby Slug. I'm just a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed that he's sitting there lying. I, I thought he was a nice guy. He's a pro football-focused nerd. Hung out with D'Amico. He's been funny and cordial with the media. He he deflects praise and, and gives it to his players. Thought he was this wonderful man. And yet, 24 hours after he tells everybody, right now I couldn't tell you what's going on. I'm entirely locked in. He's interviewed with two different teams. Two different teams. One of which is a team we don't like. A yeah. division rival. Amy Adams who trolls Houston all the time. Uh, so I'm just a little disappointed. A little, a little disappointed with the guy. That's it. And you're entitled That's to it. be. 
Right? But I, I really mean, just, do. Like, I really do wonder what he's thinking in those quiet moments. I we agree all with have you. those quiet moments. Drive in, brushing our teeth, whatever. We all have those quiet moments. And in those quiet moments, what is Bobby Slowick thinking about? Is he thinking about, hmm, how can I curry favor with Amy Adams? Just say you'll wear Houston Oiler gear. How can I curry favor with Dave Tepper? Are you thinking, man, if Jadavian Clowney is beating. Uh, fan or heck all game. What am I going to do to slide some extra protection over there? I wonder. I just wonder. No, I think it's natural, right? It's human nature. If you know that you know you're, you're you got you you got a Cougs game that to to go, to do that night, and you got three teams that are knocking on your door with the potential of doing like big time sports, and you're thinking, man, what it would be like to to do calls when so and so is you know going down the lane or doing this, or if I had the chance to do this, and how would I? I never it, do that. It, it's just—it's just human nature. If you're being no, pursued, it's not. I don't. Do I'm not that. saying for you personally. Okay, I'm just saying just to put it in perspective. But like, if if I was sitting there saying, "Hey, look, I got a job to do," or even when I was doing the the, the broadcasting stuff, but someone was asking you, "Hey, you know, we'd like to have you interview to do this job to do this," and I'd be thinking, "Man, you know, moving to that city, working with that team, those players, doing this, doing that." Human nature says you're at least thinking about it. Yeah. It's in your grill because of the fact that it's something that's been presented to you. 8115, how do you know Slowick did not have plans and tried to delay it and the team's pushed back hard to get it? I don't know. I guess it's plausible. But usually these things are pretty set in stone uh, days out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not the but, case. But, Jeremy, let's also be honest. When you, we, We've talked about this in other ways, too, with the press conference. You don't have to give them a long, detailed answer. Just say, hey, at the time when the time is right, we'll deal with that. Right now, yeah. we're focused on Baltimore. See, that's the thing. I think he's, I'm more annoyed that he answered the question poorly than I am that he interviewed with two different. Like it's cool. Like I want my coordinators to be interviewed because uh, it means that they're good. Uh, just the way that he worded the, it just to me, it's misleading. I can't trust him now. Take can't Harbaugh trust the national championship game. I, I don't want to talk about where my next destination is. Just let me enjoy this. It's essentially like saying, hey, at the, there's going to be an appropriate time right now. Let's not take the focus off what we need to do against Baltimore. Two one two eight. He's been an above average coordinator for one season. We don't even know him that way. No, no fan base uh, should be ecstatic if they sign him. Completely disagree. He's the hottest coordinator from the hottest scheme in all of football, and he helped guide the greatest rookie quarterback performance in a century. What fan base would not be happy to get that, especially a fan base with a couple of rookie quarterbacks this past year? You think Bryce Young or Carolina fans who saw Bryce Young be incredibly poor, incredibly poor, wouldn't be excited about the OC that helped guide Stroud or that Will Levis and Tennessee fans wouldn't be happy to hire the head coach that helped guide Stroud. Uh, I completely disagree with that take. All right, we got to hand out some uh, some winners. We do it each and every week. It's getting a little bit more difficult now that teams and games are being, uh, uh, you know, I guess, whittled down as we go just four games left in the divisional round. Some BZ money with the Bees. All right, it's time for you to see how easy it is to take these guys' money. Are you threatening me? Let's get to their picks on BZ Money. All right, last week we went 3-2, and two, made you $35. On the year, Mr. Gal, of course, bankrolls us. He gave us $1,000 to start the season for no good reason because we sucked last year. But we've won $680. We're up almost 1700 bucks. So we're changing up a little bit in the postseason. We just go game by game. Houston at Baltimore, the first game, 9.5-point favorites for the Ravens at the time that we did the prep on this. The over-under, 43.5. We'll start with the, the uh, spread. Nine and a half for Baltimore. How are you feeling about this, Blake? There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that number is way too big. There is no doubt in my mind that the Texans are not going to get boat raced. 
that they're too good of a team. They're going to hang in there. That number is, I think, entirely too large. I believe in the Houston Texans. I encourage us to look at that game because I believe in Houston. Yeah, uh, Blankers is doing the pick the Texans and then allow Joe and I to poo-poo all over it because that's what we've done each of the Keep last three weeks and the Texans have won. So this isn't jungle karma. This is killer B karma. No, we can't play the can't local do it. team. Won't do no. it. No. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just feel like Baltimore's rust is going to be overwhelming. I think the Texans are hot right now. They're riding some momentum themselves. This is one that I feel really strongly the Texans are, are, are going to at least cover. Did I ruin yeah, Killer no. B Karma if I actually placed a real wager on this game? Yes, you did. Yeah, way to go. Way to go, <laughs> Joe. You should probably shouldn't have. Maybe his, Bobby Snell. Maybe fair, you shouldn't have told anybody. I placed real bear fandom here. I placed two wagers on this game. You middle it? I middled it because it dropped by two points for like 24 hours and then went back up. So you got, what are the uh, two I sides? Got, I got it at nine and a half and seven and a half. Okay. I usually, that's a that's a small I middle. know. I know it is. I, I know it is, but I did middle. it. I have some friends who have no clue what a middle is. Um, that's a small middle. You, you got to be rooting for an eight-point game. I know I am. That's tough. But I was like, yeah, why not? Yeah. So we're going to stay away from it, Blanker. Sorry. Uh, yeah. How about the total at 43 and a half? How do we feel about this? I like the over. I kind of do too. Really? Yeah. See, I'm right. That's I, I'm expecting a 24-20 game. This is not one that I... Love to play, but I thought last week's game was going to go under. And I mean, the Texans covered the number on their own, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on their own. So I'm cool playing it over. I'm going to get a little bit of a sweat on this yeah, game. I'm with you that I thought it was going to be right around 44. But I think both teams are going to score 20. It's just you know if if the Ravens do what they were capable of doing and really yeah. you know really go crazy on the points, then you can blow it out of the water. But it's going to be I think it's going to be close. I think teams when they're trailing in a playoff game too will be a little bit more reckless to try to come from sure. behind as opposed to like a week nine of the NFL season. Uh, so sometimes it leads to like blowouts and it leads into some late garbage points. So I'm cool playing a little like twenty five dollar on the over. I'm good with that. Yeah. And now the weather's also not going to be horrible tomorrow. Like the wind's actually looking better than it did early in the week like it's looking like at 14 miles per hour i know that baltimore showed a picture of their stadium in snow today the snow stops this afternoon and the high is 29 like there might be snow in the stands there's gonna be zero snow on the field the, the facility staff will have plenty of time to clean that up all right green bay at san francisco san francisco giving the same amount of points as baltimore is nine and a half against blinkers packers how you feeling about this game <laughs> I think the Packers are going to get boat raced. Really? Yeah, I just do. I, I think that, look, it's it's one thing to say, oh, they're playing with house money. They've achieved way more than anybody thought they were going to. And that's true. But I, I just think that the Niners are on a mission. They're an unbelievably talented team. We know Shanahan in that offense. We know their defense. Plus, they've just had Green Bay's number in the playoffs. They just, whether it's at Green Bay or not, it doesn't matter. There's no factors that favor the Packers, in my opinion. And I, I just feel very bad about this game. Yeah, um, I have the Niners winning by ten. I think the Packers can can kind of stay around in this game. Um, if I had to play one side of it, I would pick the Niners over. But this is a game that I, I stayed away from against yeah. the spread. I, I, I'm all about the Niners. Um, I went on a streak during the season of picking big Niners numbers. Let's do it. It's like twelve, thirteen, two weeks in a row. I, I like the Niners minus I mean, nine. And we're, a half. Ro- we're running out of games to play. It's Gal's money. It's not ours. We might True. as well just blow right through it. You're right. As long as we don't lose money, because then we could be the arrow would be pointing at us. Overall, we won so many big bets this year. Yeah, it might hurt our job security, but I can collect unemployment for a while. It's true. So I'm not too worried about that. All right, but I, what do you want to wager on this? 
25. All right, 25. The number's 20, uh, 50 and a half. Again, I think that Vegas nailed the total. Like, I had this being a 50, uh, 30 to 20 game, 50 points. It's 50 and a half. This is a game I stayed away from altogether. This is basically Shanahan's offense versus Shanahan's offense, only the Niners have a whole lot more talented skill position players. Okay. I'm a, so I'm I, feel about the number. <laughs> I, I feel like the Niners are going to be in the 31 to 35 range for sure. I just don't know if the Packers can put 21 on the Niners defense. Okay, yeah. so that's not you're kind of I'm staying a, away. Then I'm a too. no on the over. All right, let's stay away from it then. Tampa at Detroit minus six and a half. The fighting Brendan Riley's giving six and a half points to Tampa Bay. Thoughts? Feelings? I think Detroit's going to win a close game. I think that Tampa Bay is going to keep it close. I think that. I don't always believe in Baker Mayfield, but I believe that right now with Mike Evans and the receivers that he has and the way he's utilized the tight end a little bit more, he's not turning it over. I know that there's all this verbal warfare going back and forth between him and the defensive backs. I'm not worried about that. I think Tampa Bay's feeling pretty good about themselves. They're playing with house money, too. They're going to come in loose, and, and, and they're going to feel like they got nothing to lose. I think Detroit wins a closer game than most people think. Uh, so it sounds like you like Tampa plus six and a half. I like half. Tampa in the six and a half. I think the Bucks are going to have no kneecaps left. I think Baker Mayfield's going to be begging for new kneecaps. I think the Lions win this game by double figures. 27-17, Detroit football. I, I've gone back and forth on this game all week. As much as I liked Baker last week. I say, you've been a Baker guy. But it's because there's more negative about the Eagles. Yeah. I, I just think the Lions have too much talent. And I think they'll find a way to get to Baker a couple times. And win by six and a half? Yeah. All right. Let's do a small one then since we're kind of torn on it. 49 and a half points is the total. You feeling a good way about this? I think both teams are going to score points. I I think I like the over in this game. I think that indoors, uh, much to the chagrin of the reporter, that, you know, obviously the weather's not going to be a factor. I think Detroit showed in the Rams game that they're capable of scoring a lot of different ways. LaPorta looks like he's healthy enough. Uh, I think that... I think that both teams are going to score points, so I like the over. Man, we're on the completely opposite sides of this game, then, because I like the under here. Uh, 27-17, 44 points total. Uh, Tampa's defense is the strong suit of their game. I know last week didn't really look that way because they scored some points, but Philly quit. Uh, Detroit has a really good defense, too. I, I think it's going to be tough for Tampa to score. And even when Detroit's moving the football, they eat up a lot of clock and they shorten the amount of possessions in the game. I, I like the under on this one. I'm a pass on either. All right, let's just, let's just okay. wash. No, nothing on that one since we already have some action on it. Buffalo minus three at Kansas City to conclude the divisional round. I like the Bills to finally get revenge. They're at home for the first time. I actually was impressed with Josh Allen last week because of the running because of the way that he didn't turn it over. I think they're 16-0 when he doesn't turn it over. I know the Chiefs' defense is good and should be respected. I just think Buffalo at home and that home field advantage and that momentum of having that game at home and the fact that they played very well last week, I like Buffalo to finally get over the top here and win this game. I like Kansas City on the money line. Josh Allen played great last week. I think Josh Allen's always capable of playing like that. But he has difficulty doing it more than one game in a row. You mentioned sixteen and zero when he does not turn, turn it, it over. over. Is that yeah. is that lifetime? I think I think so. That's a lot of games where he has turned it over. Then, oh, if that's lifetime, he's only not turned it over in sixteen games in his entire life. That's rough. Uh, I've, I think Kansas. Like we sleep on Kansas City. I think Kansas City is better than people think because their offense isn't as good as we think. But their defense is top three in the league. I think Kansas City goes into Buffalo wins outright. If you're giving me. Plus points with Patrick Mahomes, I'm taking it every single day of the week. If it was Tom Brady, if it was LeBron James, like if you're the greatest of all time and you're an all- underdog, 
I'm taking you as the underdog. So I, I'm all about Mahomes in this game. I do like Josh Allen on the Bills, but like, how often can you bet on Patrick Mahomes plus? Not, not very often. Like, not very often. So it sounds like we're on the KC side, but divided. So 25 on that one. Kansas City 25. Okay. What about the number at 45 and a half? What's the weather report again? It's, be bad again. it's not supposed to be good. They're supposed. To, they're asking fans to shovel again. That's they're all asking, I know. But, but is, was it going to be clear like it was on Monday? See, it's I, like that's it was so old. hard Weather's to know. nasty, and then all of a sudden Boy, they're right. playing. It's like that looks great. That yeah. looks like 4K television. Like the Shakir run where they were. He, he, there was no bad weather or slippage or anything, and he just basically. Hell, you, you looked at it and you're like, they had a storm? When? That take was so hot, you set off the fire alarms. Okay. Uh, if they get the field like it was on Monday, I like the over here. I think that both I, I, teams I can are ride with that. Let's yeah, go. I think let's both teams it. are going to score points. Yeah, let's root for points. Like, and then we have a note. We are in agreement. Everything's at 25. You go like over 40, like 40 bucks. Let's go 40 sure. bucks on That's the good. over. Yep. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blizzard. <laughs> we're gonna get smoked. <laughs> All right, so we're on the uh, over of forty three and a half. Houston, Baltimore. We like San Fran minus nine and a half. We like Detroit minus six and a half. We like KC plus the three and the over forty. Uh, we talk a lot about the Bengals being a Texans team model. A couple of other teams that are still in the playoffs. I want to take a look at their roster build to see if there's any likeness uh, likeness to what the Texans have going. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five, ESPN ninety two five. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. 4099, Branham, stop trolling the listeners. Some people don't know you really don't care. It's mean. I, I care about everything I do. That's uh, that's uncalled for. V- 4099, you have no idea what you're talking about. Triple zero two, Branham will leave fashion that fire alarm if CBS called to sub in for Rome while he's on vacation. Oh, he said it was Romo, not Rome. Uh, yeah, probably. Depends on the uh, the check. If it was, uh, if they tripled my salary, see ya. It's good knowing you, Blankers. It's good knowing you, Joe. It's good meeting the interns today. Appreciate everything the suits did in the front office. Thank you, Mr. Gal. If somebody tripled my salary, I'm out of here. Sorry. Sorry. Same. But that's yeah. the problem that I have with Slowick's answer, is that Slowick was playing all coolly. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just locked in on the Ravens. Right I mean, now, I couldn't tell you what's going on. Like, tell me. Like, hey, like, yeah, we have interviews like planned. He's the only one to do we it. We have like, interviews planned. Or don't say anything. We have interviews planned. Interviews are coming up. Like, but to be, to, to, right now, I couldn't tell you what's going on, and then he has two Zoom interviews the next day. That's misleading. No, yeah. it is for sure, because it, it's like, in, in the real world, like, no one publicly asks. Like, when I was at the other place, no one's like, hey, Joe, have you, have you secretly been interviewing at ESPN 97.5 <laughs> and, like, showing up in a suit to the office to get a new job? No one was publicly asking me that. I probably would have lied if they asked me, but... You got to find a new job. You would have been slow. You would have misled. Uh, right now, misled. you would have been like, right now, uh, I, I couldn't tell you what's going on. I have no interviews. I'm entirely locked in on the letter A. That's what you would have said. You wouldn't, but you would have been like Bobby Slowick, is what you would have been. You would have been like, you would have been lying right through your teeth. At least right now, I just told you, yeah, somebody comes in, offers me three times the salary here. I'll give you a chance to match, but if you don't, I'm out of here. And, I'm out of here. And here's the other thing. There's a way to we, – we talk about, you know, speaking in generalities or being able to, like, legal speak it. But all you got to do is just basically say, hey, my focus is on Baltimore. I'm flattered to be uh, involved in these conversations and my name coming up. And at the appropriate time, we'll deal with it. Done. Don't say all my focus is on Baltimore because now, obviously, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and, look, I, I really don't think it'll be a distraction. I really don't. Now – 
Uh, hopefully they don't get hammered because then everybody will say it was a distraction. Trust me, I've lived that. Uh, but I, I don't think that this will be a distraction. Do I think they'll, you know, it'll be the reason they lose the game? No, I don't think it'll be the reason they lose the game. I just don't like you lying to me like that. And I know the coaches lie. Uh, we've talked about the Bengals as a, uh, as a Texans team model to kind of like, not that they're going to copycat them, but just similarities on the roster because, you know, they had Burrow. Uh, Texans have Stroud. You you don't really have a chase, but Nico's emerged into that one. You have a young head coach, Zach Taylor, D'Amico Ryan, blah, 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 blah. How about the team build of the team you're playing? How about the Ravens as a team build? You have like a leader head coach. Harbaugh had been there forever. Uh, D'Amico's in his first year. But you have superstar quarterback. You build an offense around superstar quarterback with a bunch of playmakers. Texans defense is nowhere near the Ravens defense right now, but maybe you get there someday. I can see some small similarities between Houston and Baltimore. I think mostly because of the caliber of quarterback you have. Yeah, I think that if you kind of went across the board, you know I always pull the whiteboard out and go, okay, let's do the comparisons. You can put CJ and, and talking to Cadre Esmil yesterday about the fact that he might not be there yet, but you can put CJ confidently alongside Lamar. You can put Zay Flowers, and when you have Tank Dell, you can put them across from one another. So you know you've got that kind of a weapon to use in the future and just comparing the organizations. When you look at the fact that you don't have Patrick Queen and you don't have you know some of the guys on defense, but you do have Will Anderson, and you don't know, but hopefully either you have Grenard or a replacement for Grenard and some of the other pieces that you have, you can see some of the similarities there. Now, the offensive line is ex- extremely good at run blocking. And, and, you know, that it, we'll see that how the, the offensive line looks next year and going forward. But we talked about the fact that on paper, at least, and with the draft coming up, there's a chance to be even better on the offensive line. And if you're just healthy, you're a better offensive line. So that's good. But, I mean, look at the fact that Harbaugh got that job as, what, a special teams coach? He's been there forever. And he, yeah, and he has never let go of it, and he's had a ton of success. That's exactly what you want for a guy like D'Amico, too. Yeah, it'd be yeah if he's here because Harbaugh was the coach whenever the Ravens beat the Texans in twelve. Yeah, <laughs> what like it's insane how long he's been there. D'Amico was a player on that team, and Honestly, Harbaugh was the coach on the other team. After the last couple of days, the longest tenure head coaches in the NFL are probably Harbaugh and Tomlin, right? I think that's right because it would have been those two guys, Carroll and Belichick. But now Harbaugh might be the longest tenure head Harbaugh coach in the NFL. The, once, once yeah. Belichick re- uh, retired, I want to say that Harbaugh moved to number one. Okay, there you go. So it's either Harbaugh and or Tomlin. You're right. They're both right there. How about the Lions as a team build? Uh, again, a leader of a head coach. Now, like, D'Amico calls plays, yeah. and Campbell does not. Uh, quarterback's a little different here, although I think Goff's underrated. Uh, but still, I don't. I wouldn't put Goff in the same caliber as, as C.J. Stroud. But you had a young team. This was more based on, like, win-loss record. Because remember last year, Detroit missed the playoffs. They were right on the cusp, but they were, they were alive in the final week. And they actually won, but they didn't get the help that they needed. So they fell short of the postseason. But you have a defense that's built around young players, especially Aiden Hutchinson, you know, Texans with Will Anderson. Anderson yeah. How about that as a comparison? I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty accurate, team. too. I think that both, like you said, both coaches are a leader of men. I give D'Amico the advantage for actually calling plays on defense and being dialed into the defense. Campbell's just a guy that they sorely needed to kind of get some authority in the building and, and really kind of set some structure. Um, I, I think CJ is fine with Goff. CJ's better. I think their running game, their running backs, probably better. Um, skill, their wide receivers. I mean, Amon St. Brown is probably right there with Nico. That, that's a good comparison. But I mean, like you said, you got Hutchinson on one side, you got Will Anderson on the other. I think they've spent a lot of draft capital too on their defense. Um, they've got, they've added a ton. But I think, look, 
I, that's a fair comparison too. I, I would be fine with either one of those because the one thing we're not talking about we're talking about Cincinnati is the reputation of ownership being cheap. I don't think Baltimore's ever been cheap. I don't think Detroit's gonna has been cheap or will be cheap now that they're you know on this upward trajectory. So I, I like either one. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN DJ Bianame who covers the Houston Texans for ESPN ESPN dot com. He's been all over the television uh, with the Texans uh, making this ride. We speak to him when we come back. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.